from Nord and Nothing Ontological Oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a doctoral student in psychology, and with me today is Mr. Norman Gayford, a professor of English and philosophy. It is safe to say that we all have a fear of failure. This is a valid and helpful instinct. Failure for our ancestors could mean the difference between life and death. And while today the same may also be true, chances are that if you have the resources and time to listen to this podcast, you're probably not as worried about failing to survive as they were. So does fear of failure still have the same value as it once did? Or is there something valuable to learn by thinking a bit deeper? You'll probably hear us fail to find the answer a few times throughout the episode, which is all part of the journey. <laughs> that's, a, that's wonderful because that is, that is really the whole tone of philosophy. Yeah, yeah. And especially um, for me personally, I, I'm, I'm a professional failure. <laughs> like, and I don't say that in a pejorative way. I really mean it. Like my, I, my favorite things to do is to start new things, right? Mm-hmm. And the important part of starting any new thing is failing a lot, you know, especially, um, you know, even if you have step-by-step instructions or even if you're provided extensive training, there's still a period of, um, of adjustment and of, of actually putting things from theoretical knowledge into practice, um, where some things don't line up and mm-hmm. that's just a natural part of learning new things. Um, in most of the things that I start, I don't have step-by-step instructions or extensive training. Most of the time, um, I'm just going off the deep end. Hey, let's let's buy an expensive 3D printer and then just figure out what can go wrong right. <laughs> in the moment and just sort of fumble around and that sort of thing. So, um, so you know, I, it, I I don't think that it's a you know it's not a um, it, it's not a negative thing. No, it, it's 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 not. Although it is. Perceived as as with so many other fears that that are bombarded into this culture of ours, the the fear of of failure is near the top. Yeah, almost in a in a sense of a religiosity, not religion, but a religiosity that we we, we cannot fail. We must not fail. And as with most things, we have this duality. So we will, I, I think, with good intent, for instance, in an elementary school, have all kinds of posters on the wall about failure is good. You, you walk into a school, you'll see this, where making mistakes is how we learn. But really, in the educational system, we don't believe that. And I say we as in the, the whole system, it's an entirety, if you, if you look at it, because if you, if you believed in failure, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't castigate people who make mistakes or have them grow up feeling that if I make any mistake, that I'm not going to be a perfect A student or a perfect a mechanic or whatever it happens to be. And it takes life experience to realize, oh, well, it's not like that. So I think even in, in our, uh, however intentional or unintentionally it is, that we have this, this wacky um, difficult relationship with failure yeah yeah and i think this is this is going to be a great episode as we dive into it because obviously you have a lot of years as an educator and my master's degree is in education and um you know and and still despite what i said at the beginning of of the episode about being a professional failure and actually enjoying that process of of sort of working my way through things 
when it comes to formal education, I'm still a perfectionist, <laughs> right? I have I have a 4.0. And so if, if I get a bad grade on an assignment, it really bugs me. And we're going to get into yes. what those things say about us. Yes. But um, we'll start with what what is failure? <laughs> you know, the, this is as as so often, this is one of those those words that uh, when you attempt to pick it up, it's like wrestling with Proteus and the uh, Odyssey, and 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 you have to wrestle with the sea being. And if you can't wrestle and hang on to him, you're going to die. But if you wrestle him, you get to ask one question. All that effort is for just one question. Failure is, well, let's try different things. Let's try it out. Try this. Failure is the the state however temporary of not having achieved a goal on set hmm. i think that's pretty good pushback <laughs> yeah I, I, I have to think about it failure is not meeting somebody else's expectations Failure is not meeting your own expectations. That's yeah, maybe uh, I don't think that it's meeting somebody else's expectations. But and then here's where expectations gets hairy, right? Is so this is this will be a little bit difficult. Philosophizing takes time, and because of the nature of a podcast format, we don't really have time to come up with fully baked ideas. Right. So <laughs> we just we're, half we're baked. Playing it, we're throwing the door. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. And, and so we're gonna <laughs> fail. But and I'm thinking that if. If we're actually, if we're saying that failure is based off of, um, you know, an inability to meet other people's expectations, I don't think that's correct because I think that the only thing that gives other people's expectations any power is your own expectations of how you want other people to react. So I think that it, I think okay. that it does have All something right. to do with um, this subjective perspective that you have of your own in endeavors um and because i'm extrapolating this out a little bit mm -hmm. let's you know there's been cases of um like martyrdom right where somebody has died and so if you look at things from a values neutral um viewpoint you'd say that's the ultimate failure the failure to survive but a martyr, within the context of their own beliefs, their subjective perspective on what reality is and the value of their life, they may see that as being the highest yes. form of success. Yes. So this is where failure gets really complicated. Right off into the deep waters. Yeah. Right off the, because what you just said before about failure and not surviving. Yeah. None of us. We, we, we are all going not, to fail. We all know the, the whole universe is going to fail. So, so if you if you take that as a benchmark, really, and, and amplified, magnified, um, yeah, we fail from the start. We we know we're we're, we're cooked before we begin. Right, right. Um, so why do we strive? Why do we endeavor? Because within the space of this and that, we set an expectation for ourselves. Right. But there are people who set expectations for us, and then we eventually start pushing back against it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. So <laughs> maybe we don't know what failure is yet, but I feel like that's a very compelling introduction to the topic. Um, you know, we talked about cynicism last week. And so I didn't want people to with back to back topics that are like, oh, I don't know if I want to listen to this one. I think that the this failure episode will actually be 
um, perhaps an overwhelmingly positive episode in, in some regards, but no doubt interesting. <laughs> so has failure been discussed formally by philosophers very much? Right back to the beginning, but, but generally in the context of larger things. So I will say this too, just as a side note. Some of the things that we say about the philosophers uh, across time, you will, you will hear their echoes in much of our own pop culture again. So, for instance, Socrates says, falling down is not a failure. Failure comes when you stay where you have fallen. Hmm. Does that resonate yeah, at all? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've definitely seen some motivational posters with something very similar. Yeah, but, and I'm thinking Christian Bale's Batman and Michael Caine's uh, Alfred. Yeah. Why is it that we fall? To pick ourselves back up. Well, that, that's Socrates. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, 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 uh, Plato success, success is an ability to move from one failure to another with enthusiasm. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. What do we say? Fake it till you make it? I mean, right, yeah. <laughs> okay. And, and Aristotle, each man, all these men, right? Each mm -hmm. man is capable of doing one thing well. We're going to push on this one. If he attempts several, he will fail to achieve distinction in any. If one has made a mistake and fails to correct it, one has made a greater mistake. Hmm. There's a bunch packed into that. Yeah, I think that one's sort of a two-parter. The first part of which I vehemently disagree with. Me too. And the second part, um, which is you know, up for more um, a, a more thorough view. But yeah, the first part, I mean... Hey, you know, I, yeah, basically everybody can do one thing good, but if you try to do a bunch of stuff, you're going to fail at everything. Well, again, this comes back to what the intentionality of the person undertaking these things is, because I'm fundamentally the, the failure that Aristotle's describing here, right? I like doing a bunch of different things. And I realize, right? I realize that in my musical endeavors, I'm never going to be a famous musician, Um in my educational endeavors, I'm probably never going to be a top-tier um, researcher who has books or, or papers published, right? And in, in any of these areas, right, I'm never going to uh, obtain a distinction. Um, but something that I've learned about myself, um, and I've talked about in previous episodes, is I'm an introvert, and like you know, I'm, I'm somebody who who doesn't like. Um, I, I really don't want to attain a top level of <laughs> distinction. What I want to do is just have subjective experiences um, of value with as much of this strange, mysterious universe as possible. And so jumping from thing to thing and obtaining, um, you know, a level of aptitude or familiarity um, that gives me some insight and some knowledge about uh, something that most people don't have. Um, that's enough for me. And then I want to go to the other thing. I'm, I'm a generalist by nature. And Aristotle is saying that, um, you know, a generalist is, is pretty much doomed to failure. Yes. And that's, that's, and you've pushed back against it very well. I'm going to add this. We didn't even begin to open up the word distinction. Hmm. We make assumptions about what, you know, distinction means better than everybody else. Why would it mean just that? Distinction is something that you do that is, uh, apparently or in some way measurably or noticeably in contrast with someone else. Yeah. So 
So you could wear different clothes than everyone else, and you would have a distinction. Now, it may connotatively be a negative distinction. <laughs> Why is he wearing those clothes? I've gotten that sometimes over there. Mm-hmm. But, but distinction doesn't mean uh, one-to-one uh, excellence. Right. And I think that excellence there also, like we, I don't know the context that Aristotle was right. making the statement in regards to. If he's talking about um, business or financial success, there's a very good chance he's right. You know, right? Like if, if you become very good at one thing, at least in modern times, who's to say back in ancient Greece, but in modern times, if you become very good at one thing, there's a very good chance that you will be much more financially successful than somebody who is very good in a lot of things. So there can be, you know, contexts or certain situations where this rule does apply. Yes. Um, But with Aristotle being a philosopher and with us talking about philosophy, we're taking a a very general um, overarching view to it. And if, if that is the the sense that he met it in, meant it in, then I, I disagree with it. Now the second part. What was the second part? The, the sec- oh, the second part of Aristotle uh, was that uh, if you if you make a mistake and you fail to try to correct it, you've made an even bigger mistake. Hmm. So this is this is kind of you know when I was doing the research into um, formal philosophizing about failure, this is really a, a, kind of the crux of the issue. Is mm-hmm. this idea of um, you know, is making a mistake bad or is uh, an omission, you know, is a failure to do something um, worse than doing something and, and making a mistake? And then is the failure to correct or the failure to take action after you've omitted, you know, it's sort of this, it's sort of like a causal chain. That's it, kind of what they've talked about. Yes, it is. And this is where it comes back to education again in, in a number of ways. Um, if you... If you make a mistake and you decide, oh, well, okay, that was a one-time thing. I don't have to worry about doing that again. I won't make that mistake again. Well, maybe that happens. But if you make a mistake and you don't even give any thought to how that mistake arose, no contemplation, no going back to it, then you probably are going to make that mistake again Mm. and and get into what yoga calls a samskara, a rut of, of making similar mistakes. In uh, machining, when you're, you, uh, I, I assume that if a, a piece uh, has been machined, but the measurements aren't quite right, that there is some quality control that someone catches and says, "Hey, look, let's figure out why this happened." Is that? Is yeah. That, okay. Yeah. So that's uh, quality control is itself. An interesting process that sometimes gets, I, I think, perverted or abused. But, but, but in it, in itself, in its essence, quality control implies the expectation of mistakes. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't be looking for them. Right. Because we know we all make mistakes. Yeah. Quality control is a very philosophical <laughs> job field. Because <laughs> we have situations that pop up all the time, right? Okay. Well, it's written in the standards that. Um, there's zero contamination of a part allowed. Well, what constitutes contamination? If we have a rubber, right? Um, and let's say that the ingredients in this rubber weren't mixed thoroughly enough so that um, a streak of pigment is running through. The whole part is gray, but then we have one darker gray streak. 
Um, and all of the properties, the electrical and mechanical properties are all correct. But the only difference is there's a streak of color that's off. Does that count as contamination, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know. Or a flaw. <laughs> right. Which is not the same as contamination. Yeah. And so, I mean, and this is, this is an actual example of an issue that we faced um, that led to months, months of interacting with the rubber vendor, months of interacting with the customer who bought the part in order to determine, um, are we going to have to throw hundreds of pounds of rubber, actually thousands of pounds of rubber into the garbage, or are we going to say, that despite this little gray streak, um, we're going to let the parts continue mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they operate exactly the way that they should. Yeah, you're trying to figure out whether it was a failure or not. And this is exactly yeah, seem to be a failure. And that's exactly what you were saying at the beginning. Yeah. Quality yeah. control is a, is a position that you know, a, an idea that can be abused, especially in modern times, um, in our sort of uh, cookie cutter um, society. Yes. Yeah. Um, for that very reason, I mean, if you think about that logically, right, rationally, there's no reason that you should throw out thousands of pounds um, of of material just because a, there's a little bit of a color difference okay. without affecting anything else. But there was yeah. it was a hotly debated issue, and, I um, and it almost did be the end up being the case. I Luckily, we were why. able to to convince them otherwise to take them. Yeah. Groceries are the same way. Hmm. Organic objects, uh, apples, carrots, whatever that are grown organically uh, are not necessarily going to look like the ones that have been tended a little bit more to be appealing for sale. And, And people will go to outlets and buy food that is damage, uh, meaning it might have a bruise or it might not be uniformly red uh, in order for other people to use it. But otherwise, that might be thrown out. And who would have thought that aesthetics would connect to our discussion of failure? <laughs> but here we are, right? Because yep. that is the defining issue in both of the examples that we just presented. Mm-hmm. Is, is an aesthetic quality a failure in itself? I, and again, I think that anybody who's thinking about this logically or rationally and it might depend on the product or the scenario you're talking about. But in most cases, a failure to be aesthetic is not in itself any reason to discard a product. Um, but here we are living in a society where this does happen. We sort through all of the produce and we give you a cheaper price on the ugly. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> produce. So, so we, 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 by, by definition or by assumption, uh, we somehow accept that this fruit is a failure, <laughs> and and but we do it to people. We mm-hmm. we do it to people aesthetically, despite all the words that have been cast uh, wonderfully and nobly against it. Primarily, people are still judging themselves against magazine covers and finding themselves coming up short. Right. But so failure is sometimes considered an omission. Mm-hmm. Failure is sometimes considered not meeting an expectation. Failure is something that's missing. Mm. Uh, But all of philosophy is a failure. (laughs) (laughs) Because across the history of philosophy, essentially, boiling this way, way down, philosophy uh, in one generation tends to try to point out 
the mistakes and the flaws that, that occurred in philosophy in the previous generation. That's, that's been standard all the way across in, into our, our current time. And so essentially philosophy is about quality control. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's just a, this sort of, um, I, it's not refining of ideas really, but it's, it's kind of like you said, pointing out the flaws in previous philosophers' ideas and then trying to come up with a more elegant theory. Right. And, and it could be refining. I just jumped to oil because of refining, and I don't know why, so I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to try. <laughs> Something must be refined in order to be more useful. Mm -hmm. uh, re refining is a kind of tuning and instrumentation. Before we started today, you were refining the the sound with the gates and, mm -hmm. and so on. <laughs> So refining implies that something could be better than it was. Something could be better than it was. It's not quite meeting the thing that you wanted to meet. And therefore there's a failure. <laughs> right. Yeah. And again, it, we're going to, we're going to head into the essence here in a bit. And I think this is where this conversation is going to get, um, really interesting. But before we yeah. get there, um, I think that it, it's irrelevant to ask. So based off of what we were just saying with philosophy, do you think feelings towards failure um, change across time and culture? Or do you think we still think about it generally the same way that Aristotle was thinking about it? Well, the way Aristotle speaks of it, and we were just arguing with him about that, really, is, and, and we aren't contextualizing it, but I think there's an essence that stays the same. Human beings don't like failure. Hmm. But that's why we have to bludgeon ourselves with, it's okay to make mistakes but only if we mean it. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, while I wouldn't argue that it's a steady state, because I think the degree and the implications and the range and the fallout of failure are, are immense along a spectrum. A, a failure in judgment can lead to a world war. <clears throat> that was not the same. A failure in judgment back in their day could lead to a failed city state. <laughs> but they're still thinking about what goes wrong and how we can do something about it. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to head into the essence. And I'm going to ask, what does it mean to fail? Which is a distinctly different question than what is failure that I asked mm -hmm. at the beginning. What is failure and what does it mean to fail are, um, are very different things. So what does it mean to fail. And this is where we're going to get into the weeds a bit. <laughs> oh boy. The, the, the rotor just stopped on the boat. We, all right. I want to hear yours too on this. We'll start with this. We all experience failure, but that is, that assumes a failure is something from the outside. We experience this thing. It comes to us phenomenologically or something, but we fail sometimes and often. <laughs> and really, depending on what you're measuring it by, well, most of the time, probably. Uh, what is it like to fail? It is to perceive. Let's start with this. It's to perceive. It's to know. Uh, uh, epistemology be danged. We, we, it's to know that we didn't do something we might have 
in order to change an outcome that happened, even though we don't know that that outcome might have changed. Hmm. Or we did something that we might have in other circumstances told us not to, and we feel diminished in ourselves, and it has nothing to do with anybody else. Failure can be an entirely internal experience and probably is an entirely ex internal experience, sometimes brought on by people from the outside saying you failed. But often, if one is in tune with oneself, you don't need anybody else telling you that. Yeah. And sometimes you tell yourself that too much, and then we get into other well, issues. What yeah. do you think? I think that that's, I think that's a good answer. It, it, it definitely has a feel of, of formal psychology. There's a, there's a logic to it. If this then this and it gives you this i the idea of the timeline right okay well if this is what i'm intending to happen in the future and then either through a misaction or an omission of an action i do not get to that point then that is a failure and i think that there's a lot of um value to seeing it that way i think for me um you know we talk about the ancient philosophers and, and the value that they bring but usually there's always a critique to it hmm. um but thinking about Socrates, I, I almost agree with that position. I, I have this as a professional failure, right? To me, I haven't failed until until you stop trying to get up, right? As long as the legs keep churning, right, that then you haven't failed yet. So the end goal in mind, where you're trying to get, um, maybe you don't get there. Um, but if you keep trying and you achieve something different then you haven't failed um and this is uh, the story of my life right it, um I, you and i've talked about it off the air quite a bit um music is a good example just because yes it is. um that's that's something that is kind of tangible and salient to people but um when i start out writing a song right usually what happens is a song um is just unbidden you know, gifted to me by the muses, right? So I'm at work and something pops into my head and I go, oh my gosh, this would be a great song, right? So then I go home and then I attempt to figure out what this thing is in my head. And often what I find out is that I do not have the musical skill um, to accomplish what this thing is that I heard. Or um, I, I don't have the pitch, right? I'm, lots of people don't know this, but like usually um, being able to pick out a pitch, that's a very rare thing to do it on the dot. So I'll be hearing something in my head, um, but my brain translates it different. So it has the, the timbre of a G chord, but it's actually in the key of A. And so those two things are mutually exclusive. They don't exist unless I am using a capo, which prevents me from getting into a lower register that I'm also hearing in the same thing. This might be overly technical. The point is... Um, I hear this thing, I have this idea of where I want to get to, where I want to be. And um, as I start recording um, the drums, I find, oh, okay, well, I'm actually incapable of playing that that kick drum beat that fast. So I'm going to have to make a, you know, a slight compromise and, you know, bring that kick drum down to a half beat. Oh, that, that bass guitar part requires, you know, a, a finger style technique and I, I i really just play bass with a pick so well i'll do that and it'll give it a little bit of a different sound but it'll be this mm -hmm. oh, okay well you know the guitar you know i i wanted it to play it in the key of g but in order to reach this lower note i i have to play it in you know whatever 
my my vocal range isn't isn't as good. So now I'm going to have to compromise not only what key I'm playing the guitar and the bass in, but also what key I'm singing in. By the time I have a finished song, and then in the production, right? Oh, okay. Well, there was, you know, my wife was running the dryer while I was recording it, so there's this hum that I'm going to have to adjust for. By the time the song is finished, it's a completely different thing from the thing I initially imagined. But guess what? It's still a thing. And usually, I still enjoy that thing. And usually, most other people never suspect that the original thing was ever ever existed. All they know is what actually ended up being there in the end. So that's that's this this sort of concept of okay, well these these continual failures, you know, and at first and and they're aggregate, right? The first one you think, oh, okay, well that just changed things a little bit, maybe five percent. But if you change enough things five percent, then you you just do not get to the goal that you had originally at all. Um, so did I fail to achieve my original vision? Yes, but did I actually fail? Is a different well, question. That, that is at the heart of what a lot of of what current philosophers ask when we they ask us to ask ourselves what is it we mean by fail which is how we started and what you just talked about is very much it there's there's an idea that failure is therapeutic that failure is inevitable <laughs> and and that failure is absolutely vital because it is unerringly part of being human and when we when we try to make ourselves perfect when we try to when we concentrate on making perfection the first goal what we're doing is is sapping the humanity out of ourselves just as if uh, we were experiencing a kind of spiritual osteoporosis hmm. and 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 it is the the here i am there's where I want to be, what's the process? How's that going? That is continual cause and effect, change, cyclical feedback, whatever mechanical metaphor we want to use that, that acknowledges that we've scaffolded, we've achieved something, as you just said, creation ex nihilo. (laughs) It wasn't there, then it is. How does somebody else, nobody else can possibly gauge what it sounded like in your head. You can't even entirely gauge what yeah. it sounded like in your head. And, and so to, to call it a failure, let's say it's a song and you're not t- particularly happy with it. Well, even then it, it's not necessarily a failure as a song for other listeners, even if it might be for you. And this is where it gets very difficult for people who are um, are, whether they're artists or perfectionists of any kind, when most of what you see is is a failure, if it then flattens you and says, "I give up, I'm done," there's the tragedy. If 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 what you see is not quite where you want to get yet, and part of this, I'm re- my, my art teacher and I have these discussions. I, I took a photograph recently. I take lots of them, right? and. And I decided I wanted to render the photograph in a certain way. But then I wanted to 
to render it in an impressionistic and abstract way and with with various media and i was working with it in, uh, and and enjoying what seemed to be happening at the same time i could have looked at it and said well yeah but there's 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 dust is blown in because I was working in my barn studio. So, you know, I thought, well, the, the light's not right on that. And so, okay, but it's never going to be perfect. But then she's, uh, she said, well, now try to put the tree limbs in the background and foreground everything else, even though in the photograph, the tree limbs are in the foreground and see what happens. And I did one and it didn't quite work the way I thought uh, it would. But it was interesting. The effect was really interesting. And I, and I still like it for that. And I've worked on one this, this week, another version of this that it looks like it's on fire. And I really, really am enjoying that. But it too is not, none of them are the same as the photograph. And it is not the same as what I actually saw. Hmm. <laughs> and so because our perception is imperfect, our art will be imperfect. Our efforts will be imperfect. And it is only when people start asserting that a, that a system or a plan or a, a, an ideology is perfect that we fail. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm pretty sure that we... I'm, I'm trying to think of what episode... It was happiness. Hmm. Um, this, this harkens back to that because what you just described and what I described, right... This goes beyond just a discussion of failure. It's a discussion of life, right? This happens to everybody. And, you know, people with the best laid plans, and again, like I said at the beginning of the episode, with the step-by-step -step instructions, with the detailed training, they go through, and their life never turns out to be the way that they imagined it. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. is true, I, I really believe it's true of 100% of people, right? Life just does not go the way that anybody imagines. Um, but when we talked about happiness, right, this, this idea of happiness, um, and, and how philosophers and researchers have looked at it and said, well, you can spend lots of time being happy and still end up at the end of your life in a spot where, um, you, you lack, um, fulfillment. And I can't remember what the actual concept was that we had been talking about, but I'm going to use fulfillment because I, I think it works all yeah, right. Yeah, it works. Or you could use a fulfill, you could live a fulfilled life, um, and, and not have had as many happy moments. So happiness is, is not this steady state thing people should be looking for. Right. Um, I think that there is, um, sort of a negative image, uh, in terms of a photographic negative of failure sort of in that conversation, right? Um, you know, happiness is, is a great thing. We all want to be happy. But happiness shouldn't be the prime thing. I think failure is sort of the same way. Like, okay, failure is is a hard thing, and it's something that we would all like to avoid. Yes. But um, you can still live a fulfilled life and do a lot of failing, and then still get somewhere with it. And and and, and one would would say um, must. Hmm. Yeah. We we just don't do anything perfect. There, right. There is no perfection we would just embrace that and that's not to say oh well let's just throw together whatever we can in there i'm not saying that it's it's more like what you just just said and it's more what you said about about the music it's tending 
and saying, all right, I'm learning from this or the printer or whatever else. I, I'm, I'm learning. Maybe I can do it this way. Maybe this will increase the quality of something. If that's even part of, of, of the discussion. Yeah. To go back to the, the, um, the Socratic metaphor, right? It's not okay to get knocked down and then say, oh, well, it's nice down here. I'm just going to hang out. That's a different thing <clears throat> from getting knocked down and then getting back up and saying, okay, well, I'm going to keep trying. Right. And so I think that that, I think that is important, right? You know, is that, you know, the, or maybe Plato's was better, right? I hope I went on the group too confused, but That's saying okay. that, you know, it's not a failure to, to try, to, but it's to a, move from one failure to the next. Yeah. Yeah. Of, is, uh, uh, with enthusiasm. That's success. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey, I'm really, ex- well, <laughs> it's not, it's not the, accept- it's not just the acceptance of failure saying, Oh, well I tried and now this is, this is it. I guess I, you know, I'm just going to hang out, you know, down there, here. There, there was, a, this will involve a word that's four letters that is used in religion. So I'm going to just, I don't think we're going to get bleeped for this. All right. <laughs> this is the epitome for me of, of what, of what Plato was saying. I had a classmate long ago in college in a history class and we'd be listening to the professor. The professor would ask a profound question. Truly, and Bruce would be the first one who'd, who'd toss up this this response. He was always first in the door, and not because he was trying to be perfect. It wasn't that he was enthusiastic, and he went in, and and the professor would at that point he was all it was a different era. He was chain smoking. He was always looking mm-hmm. at the ceiling, and he'd stop and look as if this is mighty of uh, sphinx, and suddenly moved and looked at the fellow and said. No. <laughs> and, and, and then explain why. And, and Bruce would and just sort of chuckle and say, well, shot to hell again. <laughs> but then he'd come right back at it. That's really the attitude. And I will never forget him for that. Yeah. It, I, and I know a lot of people like that. And it, it, it does. It gives you a different perspective <clears throat> because, you know, as, as much as I fail, I'm still somebody that attempts to avoid failure as much as possible. So I, I lay these, I, I lay the, the plans. I try to be very, um, you know, aware and, and delicate about how I'm approaching something. And then sure. when I do fail, there is always that, that moment of, ah, oh, man, you know, uh, and then rethinking. Um, but I, we all know people like this, right? Where, no, they don't care. They're not going to lay plans. They're not going to go at something eloquently. They're just going to give it what they have. And if it doesn't work, there's, not even a second before they're already back at, you know, yes. back at it. Right. It's not to say one approach is better than the other, but it is to say that there's, there's different ways of, of dealing with failure. Philosophically, so, philosophically, you can go to, you can go to this. Failure is what reminds us of this really flimsy, borderline but it's not even a border between being here and not being here Mm. because when we fail maybe we're feeling flat and then we say yeah but i'm still breathing um maybe i've a, a failure has taken us right to the brink maybe somebody else's failure has has 
that someone, a, a medical person makes a, a decision that's profoundly awful and wrecks the very um, essence of another person's life. And they're, and they're still breathing until they choose not to. Sometimes it's that way. Mm. So they, they, it, it takes us to this line failure does and, and allows us to say, okay, you know, maybe things are, yeah, things are awful. Not even maybe things are awful, but I might for a moment be able to make them less so in a small, quiet, little way just for myself because I can't do it for anybody else anymore or in a, in a larger way. Yeah. I'm writing a song that I might think is, now oh, that's not the best song, but touches somebody. Yeah. Yeah, and this happens all the time. Um, so here's an important question. Is is failure just a matter of perspective then? No, well, no, not always. Um, seemingly. If we go back to the idea of an expectation, hmm. if you have an, a, a, a work situation, <laughs> you're expected to turn in 50 reports by the end of the week <laughs> and you manage to get 45 turned in, there's been some degree of failure according to the rather perhaps arbitrary expectation that's been set. Hmm. So it's not all, you know, you, you can, you can be the employee and say, Hey, but I didn't fail. I did 45 and you'd be right. <laughs> It's not an utter failure, but then again, since we live constantly bombarded by sports metaphors, I will reverse it and say, has a team failed if they've lost by two points? If they fail if they've lost by 40 points? Is there any difference? They've lost? I, I don't, I'm just playing with this. I've, yeah, no, I think that that's great because I think this is a sort of, um, what comes to mind with me, because I've been dealing with this a lot recently, is um, how we view science and empiricism, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's there's a lot happening now where, um, and again, I don't want to undermine science. Well done science is, is, is a, a, a great thing. But sometimes scientists attempt to overreach a bit in drawing conclusions from their data, right? Yep. And so I think this is, this is sort of a similar thing, right? It, in an experiment, um, an, an experiment is designed to give you a conclusive outcome. And I think that's very similar to this sports team losing by a score of 45 to, to 44, right? It's, it's the zero sum. So you lost, like it did not turn out. But 45 to 44 is a lot different from 45 to 4, right? And so looking at these, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but what determines whether or not a, an experiment is a success or a failure really just depends on the power level given to it statistically, right? Mm -hmm. So if I have a p-value of 0 0.05 versus a p-value of 0 0.001, um, you can run the exact same experiment, the exact same results, and one of them will be a disastrous failure and one of them will be a success. It all depends on what your margin of error is for making a, what they call a type one error, which is saying that something's true when it's not true. Um, and so the example of the guy handing in reports is, is really good, right? Because if he's tasked with doing 50 reports and he hands in 49, 
then by the standard, he fails. But what we don't see is what happened with the details of the other reports, right? If he had done things in such a way as to salvage or clarify or do other things with these reports, then maybe the the inherent value of having the 49 done in such a way is more valuable than having 50 done um, not to the same standard. So real life, that's all to say just that real life is messy, right? And the concept of failure is no exception. And, and that's wonderfully said. And I would assert that this is built entirely into our system of being in our country, in the United States. We don't embrace failure uniformly, rhetorically, even though rhetorically we seem to try by tossing up these tidbits. We are constantly telling people, we, as I, I say in the collective sense, that we're not doing things right, no matter how we do them. We, we say that the economy is failing when we have tangibly large numbers of jobs filled and an unemployment factor way down. But it's failing. Why? Because things are costing too much and they shouldn't. Why? We don't know. So we'll raise an interest rate. Knowing that that is going to cause lots of people to fail. But their failure, their their pain, is not perceived as important as uh, the success of this entity we call the economy. But we don't know if we've tweaked the economy right or not, so we'll try a little bit more. And then more people might get hurt, and yet lots of people aren't getting hurt, but they're telling other people that they're getting hurt, and so everybody has this notion that everybody's hurting, and some are, but but not everybody nearly as much as people think. <laughs> so we failed. Or we fail when we say, well, gasoline prices are X. Whatever the price is currently, it's not good enough for somebody. Mm. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and and without thinking about the fact that, well, that may be generating alternative energy um, thrusts. It may be re- acknowledging the, the reality that there is a limited supply of oil on the planet. It's going to all be gone eventually. And so we're going to have to pay more until we come to an all, you know, so we fail to recognize the reality of a situation. And in so doing, we make judgments that are not necessarily in the best interests of the whole. Yeah, there's there's an ascribed intentionality to some things that don't have that. And I think that a big one in this case is, um, one, there's the elephant in the room that um, our economic system is based on infinite growth. Which is impossible. Impossible. <laughs> and then on top of that, so if you're expecting infinite growth, um, but then there's another aspect of your culture that is completely outside of anybody's control, namely your demographics, right? We had this gigantic cohort of people called the baby boomers, which caused our population to become in this sort of inverse pyramid. And after, you know, situations, pandemic and all the other things, 
a lot of these in age, these people have decided to no longer participate in the workforce. So as a result, a lot of jobs that have been occupied are not filled. That doesn't mean that there is not full employment. Everybody who's looking for a job has a job, but there are too many jobs that are vacant because the population of working adults used to be higher and now it is not leading to decreased growth. Whose fault is that? Whose fault is it that you have less people now in the workforce than you used to? Whose fault is it that your economic system is based on infinite growth? There's a lot of aspects to this that make it um, a much less, uh, much more complex thing than people want to admit that it is. Mm -hmm. And even more frightening, a much less fixable thing than people want to think that it is. And the failure is to contemplate if it can't be fixed, how might it be changed nonetheless to make it a little better. So we're back to the, I get this song in my head. Mm. Um, it comes out, I have this object in the world now, but it's not quite the way that I want it. All right, maybe we can make it better. But better for whom? Or do I sit there and continue to chase the idea that I had in my head, even though it's impossible, right? Like I said, my head is hearing the timbre of a G chord played on the guitar, but it's in the key of A, and that's a a physical impossibility, right? So do I just continually pursue this thing that is impossible, or do I make concessions and and adapt it to be something that actually works, Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, this is all very interesting, and it raises the question... Can anything fail? Yes. <laughs> Look, I was raised by a mechanic. <laughs> so, and, 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 and my mom and my dad, my mom worked in factories and worked in systems and knew bloody well that everything was going to fail. And my dad was, uh, the metaphor of the machine is that it will fail. Mm. So <laughs> that helped me as I was growing. Yeah. So I'll give some context to the question because we've built up this conversation now over time. So we've talked about, um, you know, sort of what failure is and then what the human perspective on it, the role that that plays and what it, what it means to fail. Mm-hmm. And so we've come to, can anything fail? And I think that, you know, you said something early in the episode that, that sort of gives some weight to this. You said, well, eventually we all die, right? Eventually, the universe fails, right? It's the existential failure. Yes, yes. The biological yes. failure, the physics failure. So I think, I think that the, the deeper question here is, is failure, right? We know that, that things that are human, right? Things that are human fail. But things that are in, can things that are inhuman fail? Does the universe actually fail when it suffers a heat heat death, right? What does failure mean? <laughs> well, because outside... failure is a value judgment. <laughs> right. What does failure mean outside of a human perspective? Is there any value to failure outside of a human perspective? Okay. So, in that, that, so thank you for recouching in those terms. No. Hmm. Unless the universe is sentient, how could it determine whether it was failing itself? Right. Unless you, <laughs> if the universe itself says, I'm dying and there's nothing I can do about it. You can substitute God, the universe, whatever for the term, but something of that scale, then it would be failure. If it's just, this is how it works, then I suppose not. So there would be people who say, people who say, well, we are organic machines. We're, we are made. 
to fail. We, we are built, uh, we are, we are mortal and therefore that's going to happen. So to couch that in the terms of a failure might not be helpful to some people. All right. Now I'm into the, the really big dangerous territory, right? Oh, goody. Which is <laughs> this, right? So now your view on failure becomes very important when you start looking at religious context, right? Because most religious stories have this element to it of, of a God and a creation and then a bad thing in creation subverting hmm. what happened. And then the question becomes, did God or the gods fail? Right? Hmm. And so it sort of comes back to your and my perspectives, right? If, if the point was you have a God, um, I'm not going to call it any specific religion, but it tends to be in, in most religions, you have gods who are very powerful. Um, they have large degrees of knowledge, right? Hmm. And they intended to do something. And then that thing turns out different. Did they fail because of their inherent omnis, their omniscience, their, you know, omnipresence, all of these different things? Did they fail because, because of that inherent power they had, they should have been able to achieve this perfect thing and it turned out bad? Or is it because they kept, kept the legs turning, kept falling down and getting back up and eventually they made the universe? Did they not fail? Right. <laughs> these are the questions that I think. Some religious people don't ask themselves when thinking about some of these origin stories and and looking at how reality I, has played I, out. I think, I think not. It's religion is replete with the story of human failure, and, and if, if you choose your religion, you're going to find stories where somebody, by choice or in in, in an accidental fashion messes up, whether it's human or supernatural. So, yes, there is failure in there. But the big question is, was it was the predetermination that it was going to all fall apart? Was that a failure? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's really what you're asking. And that's, uh, <laughs> man, that's a, that's a, a marvelous question because of one wants to say from a human perspective yes from a, a perspective of something the size of the universe who cares right <laughs> right, right. The, the the universe somebody said who cares i'm just going to make it again and again and again <laughs> um and and what came before all oh, that leads us to those the the deepest water there is hmm. all right whatever religion if you're if you're talking about a being creating all, where did the being come from? Who created the being? Did the being create itself? How to it do that? <laughs> was there was there a failure? Was the being cast out, and then the being made this cast out from where? Does it if it all ends, then it's eternity. What is eternity? Eternity is eternity a failure of of obsolescence? <laughs> yeah, and so. Looking at that brings us back into the abstract. Mm -hmm. the, this infinite regress brings us back into the abstract. Yeah. And then it, it creates a counterpoint, right? So we asked, can anything fail? And then we asked, well, does failure have any value outside of 
the human perspective? And we yeah. said, no. Well, does that mean that the condition of infallibility doesn't exist anywhere? Well, it exists in the abstract. We, we, we dream of immortality. We dream of, of making, of keeping our consciousness going forever. We, 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 we dream of making the machine always work. Hmm. Um, but I think the failure is in, if there is a failure there, it is in not, for me, I think it is not embracing one's own humanity and saying, Saying something that comes from a, a play that has, has, has inspired me my uh, my whole adult life. It's called The Lion in Winter. There are many quotable lines. My wife and I enjoy quoting them at, uh, over and over. And and there are three three uh, princes and a king named Henry. And it's historical, probably. And they, he, he says, for, for heaven's sake, boys, you can't all be king. Somebody's going to fail to be king. Somebody's going to be chosen to be king. Finally, he has to imprison them he, uh, because they're, they all are wanting to usurp him, <laughs> right? And and so they think they're going to be executed. And and one of them chastises the other. There are three of them and, and, and says, how can you be so calm about all of this? You're standing there like some kind of preening uh, nobleman. Uh, we're, we're going down. <laughs> And, and, and the character says, uh, when going down is all there is, it matters. Cause the, his brother had said to him, what difference does it make? Well, if you grovel or you don't grovel, you might as well grovel. We're all going down. Well, if, if going down is all that happens, then it matters how we do it. Yeah. That's not a failure. That's right. an acknowledgement <laughs> that something is going to happen. And so the success within that person is how I face it. Yeah. No, I like, I think that's the perfect sort of um, analogy to sum up what we've been talking about, right? Is this idea of impending failure, but then the human perspective of the situation and how you can be successful even in the face of that. Mm. I think that's excellent. So until next time, keep going.